Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. A strange spiralling white light was spotted in the early morning sky over Sydney with even sceptical witnesses wondering if it was a UFO. They were last seen on the beach with a tall man and that's the best description police have ever had of him. More than 17 years after Harold Holt disappeared into raging surf at Cheviot Beach, his widow has finally revealed his last romantic words. Docking, terrifying, mesmerising. That's the way a number of Australians have described their alleged encounter with the Yowie. It's time for the Weird Crap in Australia podcast. Welcome to the Weird Crap in Australia podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Soule. This is episode 35. It is currently 40 degrees and we've turned our air conditioner off to record a podcast. To Americans, that's uh, 100 and whatever the hell, get the hell out of here degrees. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that voice, of course, belongs to the ever wonderful co-host of Weird Crap in Australia, Holly Soul. How are you doing, Holly? I'm good. I'm actually going to look up what it is in Fahrenheit because I think the Americans do not believe us how hot it gets. Though you would have to think places like Arizona and thing, things like that would have to get into the high 50s, surely. Yeah, but I doubt very much that they're going to be most of the continent. 104 degrees Fahrenheit, so not that bad. 104 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. That's what we're experiencing at the moment. So you'll forgive us if every now and again you may hear a drinking noise on the uh, the recording. Hopefully you won't. Or just gasping for breath in the heat. Yeah, or hearing sweat dripping everywhere. Or we collapse in heat exhaustion. You never know. Yeah, we're, we're going to do our best. Uh, now, we're going to be talking today about Port Arthur. Now, Port Arthur was a prison colony set up down in the state of Tasmania. Tasmania is that little triangle island that hangs off the mainland of Australia. Hang uh, on a minute. Is, Back then it was Van Diemen's Land. It wasn't even Tasmania. There you go. It was called Van Diemen's Land by the Dutch. Yes, the Dutch. Yeah, by the Dutch. Uh, and of course, uh, it's one of our states. It sits off the coast of Victoria. It's the most southern you can get while still being on Australian territory. Exactly. Uh, now, Port Arthur itself was one of the harshest prison colonies that was established in Australia. If not the harshest, yes. Yes, probably the harshest. Uh, there was a lot of prison deaths. There was a tremendous amount of punishment. Uh, there were psychological and physical. Yeah, it, it was one. Of, it was the worst of the worst. Uh, and so, of course, uh, for people who believe in psychic energies and things like that, it's a place that has definitely left its mark. And unfortunately, that mark continues on into modern history. But um, that's a lesson for later on. For now, we're going to go yeah. colonial era just to keep it a little bit light and a little bit distant. We're going to start with the colonials. We're going to talk about some of the hauntings as well. Uh, and then we're going to wrap up the series with the worst massacre that has ever taken place on Australian shores. So It was one of the biggest ones, I think, until Virginia Tech, I think, from memory. No, no, Virginia Tech didn't beat it. Uh, what beat it was do, 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 the San Diego nightclub shooting. The Pulse nightclub? Pulse nightclub shooting. So that, there you that go, that's how record. long it took. And then the Las Vegas shooting took that record. So, America... Thanks, America. We're glad we don't have that mantle anymore. Yeah, it is. it is... 
it's horrible. Like the the sad thing about gun violence is that uh, it would have been preferable if the Port Arthur massacre Was maintained its, it, yeah. its record, but it didn't. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that and uh, Martin Bryant later on in this series. Yeah, not today. We're going to go today. a little bit happier, not by much, but we're going to go a little bit happier today. So let's start off with the establishment of the Port Arthur colony. First thing you have to remember about Port Arthur was that there are actually two different types of prisons built in the area. There was the normal prison for, you know, just run-of-the-mill, all right, you do your work, you get lashed, you go to bed, you have crust of bread, and that was it. And then later on, a second prison was built called the separate prison. Now, I will go into depth on it a little bit later, but I do need you to keep in mind that most of what we're talking about today, we're focusing on the separate prison and not the lighter prison, I guess yeah, is the so right descriptor. What, what we're going to be talking about is murderers, thieves, rapists, as opposed to people who stole bread well, it's, out of it's, uh, bread boxes. It's not even that. It's murderers, thieves, rapists who then committed another crime while yep. they were under transportation, and they're the ones that ended up in the separate prison. Yep. If you were just a murderer or rapist and you didn't do anything else, you served out your time, you were fine. You just stayed in the other prison, you were released, it was all good. These are our troublemakers. These are the uh, recidivist bastards who wouldn't give it up. Yeah. So the colony, I don't think you call it a colony, the penal settlement of- Well, I mean, it's a penal settlement that eventually became a colony because that's how, you know, as we've discussed in our other uh, episodes on the um, colonization of Australia- Convicts literally built this nation. It it was. It was uh, people were sent across from uh, England for whatever crimes because the British jails were filling up. And just by natural progress, those people who they, they served their time, be it five, ten years, they were then awarded a little bit of land to work the land and towns and cities just sprung up out of these penal colonies. Well, and that got, is if how- If you can control land, then you're going to try and grab as much land as you can next to your mates and you're yeah. going to get together for beers and there becomes the pub and blah, 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 blah. And you now have a town. Yeah. Because <laughs> the first thing to pop up in a town in Australia is always a pub. It's just- I think for the most part, it's very unique for the way that places have established. You know, when you look at like Britain to America, they established as a British colony, but they, you know, slowly started to build their own laws and their home and their foundation and all that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Very deliberate move um, when it came to colonizing Australia. We dragged our feet a lot. (laughs) Well, it was an accident. It was like, Australia was considered uh, a, basically a country that was a prison because it was an island. Well, the prison island. Yeah, it was a, it was a massive prison island, so it was able to deal with a problem. It's just the um, the unintended consequence of that is that people stayed on and built a home here. So the first time land was broken on Port Arthur was 1830 when it was originally created as a timber yard. So what they'd do is they'd go out, they'd harvest the mighty redwoods, I don't know if they're redwoods, I think they're pines, in Tasmanian rainforest, knock them down, uh, put them on saw gangs, and then send the planks off around the the well, the island, really, because Tasmania is an island. From there, the government went, hang on a minute, we can save money if we make the convicts do it. So then in 1833, the first foundations of the prison were built, and those prisoners came, became the first workers in that little sawmill town. However, from 1833 to 1853, the people who were sent to Port Arthur slowly became worse and worse until they did have to build that second prison that I was talking about. Um, So at the beginning, it was just, you know, Sydney's full, Melbourne's full, we're going to go a little bit further down the coast. And then later on, it was, well, we don't want them here, so we'll send them there. Yep. Yeah. It's like the, uh, it's almost like 
old school gentrification. Where oh, the I don't people, want to yeah, lay like about here. Get the, the people in Sydney and Melbourne were establishing a life for themselves and it was quite good and you still had this rougher element. So they're like, well, where can we send them? Let's send them to an even let's smaller island. Let's send them to Australia's island. prison island. Yeah, let's, let's send them to Australia's uh, prison island. And, you know, that's that's essentially what happened. Because Port Arthur became so big, there wasn't actually area for them to grow enough vegetables and farming for their own um, prisoners, really. So they actually commandeered an entire island called Smooth Island, uh, which is, I think it's about 100 k's north. I'm not 100% sure, but I know if I put my finger on the map, it's like one side of the finger and the other. I didn't actually look it up. But I looked at the photo of it and it literally, it's like a flat little mound of an island. There's no trees on it. So that was just one big veggie patch. Smooth island. Yeah. Um, it was closer to the main part of Tasmania than it was to Port Arthur. So that tells you exactly how far away they decided to build to grow their food. So obviously they weren't, they were used to wilted lettuce is what I'm saying. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there was another part of Port Arthur that was built as a prison. This was the juvenile prison called Point Pua. That's how I pronounce it. P-U-E-R. Like the Dragon Ball Z character. I guess. Yeah. Um, it was built on the very tip of a peninsula itself. So where Port Arthur was on the side of the bay, um, the boys camp was built on the very tip of a peninsula. And right across... So, what's, what's a boys' camp? Is that just well, for young juvenile, juvenile prison. offenders? Between right. 9 and 17-year-old, that's where they were sent because yep. they weren't strong enough to move, you know, tr- redwood trees around or they didn't have the skills to do carpentry or stonemasonry. And you wanted them kept separate from the Well, adult they were sent there and they were technically in prison, but they were learnt trades like shipbuilding and carpentry and all that kind Essentially of stuff. Essentially your first fleet of apprentices. Yeah, pretty much. Um, right across what, the What wall- a shock if you teach people how to do something yeah, in prison, they, they might have a job yeah. when they leave. What a fucking shock. <laughs> right across the water from uh, the boys' camp was the Island of the Dead, the Isle of the Dead. That's literally where the dead of Port Arthur were sent, where the bodies were buried. Uh it is to be noted that there are more than 1,600 graves on that little island, but only 180 of them are marked because those were the officers and the military people who died in Port Arthur and fuck everybody else. Uh, I found one noted member of uh, the boys' camp and his, uh, let's say crime, because that's what they classed it as. Just before you jump into James Travis here, can yeah. you've You've just sort of jumped over an interesting part that that I want to talk about here. The juvenile convicts, the boys aged uh, 19 to 17, as you said, were on the- Nine to 17. They had uh, one building there, which was Australia's first non-denominational church. Basically, if you're Christian, be it Catholic, Christian, whatever. Christian, Catholic, Jewish, Muslim, yeah. everyone went to that church. Yeah, you know, everyone goes to that church to um, to pray, et cetera, et cetera. Church was compulsory on a Sunday. However, critics noted it didn't make an impact on the reformation of the prisoners. And, of course, we've talked uh, about how the apprenticeships did. Yeah, because they gave them something to do. Mm. But anyway, the uh, the notable case that I was going to point out before Matthew so rudely interrupted. Seven hey, man, I'm just following the structure <laughs> of your notes, if anything. Well, I have a mental structure. It's different to <laughs> the written structure, okay? 17-year-old James Travers from Manchester was sent to Australia because he stole 10 corsets. However, he was sent... <laughs> Wait, and why was he stealing corsets? Uh, I don't know. Maybe he was put on a Rocky Horror show. It's <laughs> interesting. He was sent to the boys' camp because he, quote, refused to do any sort of work. No, won't do it, sir. No, sir. Nope, won't do it. Here Porridge. we go. No, sir. 
Not me, sir. I'm not doing any of the porridge work, sir. You're a twit. In 1834, shipbuilding was introduced to Port Arthur on a large scale. This gave the convicts something to do, kept them out of people's hair. It also made the prison a very profitable enterprise, meaning that they became the government became more obsessed with getting prisoners down there who were able to actually do what they needed, build ships, cut trees, uh, blacksmiths, all those kind of people. So just like the rest of the states, it, it was now like, oh, okay, we can actually do something with this. Like there's resources here that we want to tap. There's stuff we want to do so we can actually move this less from a prison island and, and turn it, was, it more it into a It was kind of turning into a corporation, yeah. really. I mean, that's what they all were, like all of those, those sort of outfits. They were pseudo-corporations, like the Rum Rebellion. That was all done through the alcohol trade. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got the... Uh, I, I always fuck this up. The East India Trading Company was... East India Company. East India Company. They were all up in this sort of stuff as well, I would imagine. Yeah, probably. Um at its height, 70 convicts were employed in Port Arthur. The reason you don't hear of Port Arthur being a shipbuilding area anymore, however, is because a whole lot of little private shipbuilding companies got together. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Together and complained at the government that they couldn't build ships for as cheap as they could, simply because they didn't have the free labor. And then the government decided, you know what, we're not going to build ships anymore. Because that, that that's in the 1800s we're talking. That's in the 1830s, yeah. Yep. So it shows that the little man can have power over the government if they try and they have enough money to bribe them off. <laughs> it's called lobbying, not bribing. It's called, it's called lobbying. Bribing. Go and ask Coca-Cola or Smith's Chips about lobbying. Bribing. <laughs> Notable prisoners at Port Arthur included a dozen American soldiers captured during the US-Canada War. Uh, they- that, that war, famously, the Canadians crossed the border Didn't and they burned, burned down they the White burned House. down the White House. <laughs> and the Americans don't like to talk about it, but the Canadians <laughs> really like to talk about it. Uh, my stepfather especially would, you know, whenever like the discussion of the American Civil War or something like that would come up, he'd be like, yep, Canadians burned down their White House. <laughs> Six of them. So, yeah, that that's... Because, um, yeah, that was at the point where America was like, this is American territory 
no no one is going to be no one will get this with far the, into with it. the british right yeah. wasn't that the whole fight i don't know enough about the american yeah. canadian let us know american canadian friends out there what was that all about <laughs> why'd you do that huh um, there were also Irish political prisoners. A particular one I found was Smith O'Brien. He was isolated from general population and actually kept in a house overlooking the hospital. However, there is a photo of a view out of his windows and there were bars on it, so it was not like he felt like he was free all the time. So what the hell did he do? He was an Irish political prisoner. No doubt he was part of the... Also, as a political prisoner, he wasn't like some sort of crazed murdering no, rapist. No, no, no. That would have just been in with Gen Pop. That's like half the company. S- rumors circulated by guards and officers said that the, the water surrounding the peninsula that Port Arthur was on was quote shark infested, which would have been absolute bullshit. <laughs> yeah, my my that understanding. Cold, you know. Yeah, yeah. So obviously sharks are able to survive in some colder waters. Well, so they're in just, the Antarctic, so just because yeah. of the way they their bodies move. But you know, you think uh, when they say sharks, they're obviously going to be talking about great whites. And you just don't get great whites down there. No. Not not that I know. Like I'm not, not an expert enough, on sharks. Not in big enough numbers for you to call it invested, at least. Yeah, e- exactly. Because uh, you, you're looking more around, like, Western Australia and Queensland and even where Sydney. Where it gets a little bit warmer. Where it gets a bit warmer, yeah. There's a 30-metre bottleneck between the part where Port Arthur's on and the next part of the peninsula. And that was guarded by half-starved dogs that was guarded by people it was fenced it was booby trapped no one was supposedly able to get across however i found two successful escape attempts matthew (laughs) you're gonna laugh at one of them cool unless it's a dude dressing up as a lady no not not a lady but he did dress up as something oh okay (laughs) um the first one his name was martin cash he escaped port arthur twice he was originally a rich man who shot someone for taking advantage of his sweetheart and he was transported to Australia for seven years. Taking advantage of his sweetheart, <laughs> a.k.a. his sweetheart, was... Messing let, around on him. Yeah, well, let's say maybe messing around and then he shot the uh, the adulterer. Yeah. Um, while he was there, he ended up getting in with a gang of people and branded cattle that weren't his. However, he didn't know that they were stolen, or so he said, and he took off for Van Diemen's Land when he realised that he was in trouble and the law was coming after him. Now, he was sentenced to Port Arthur for four years. He escaped the first time and got caught really, really quickly. I think he only managed to scale a fence and that was it. The second time, he almost made it across Bass Strait with a man called Bessie, his partner. And they would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for those damn kids and their dog? Probably a shark, but no. Um, they managed to swim around that 30-metre bottleneck, the first people to do so, and in that way they actually proved that it wasn't shark-infested. This earned them respect from fellow prisoners. However, 10 years were added to their sentence when they were caught. Still, I mean, you got that rep forever. Later on in 1842, Cash and two other peoples absconded from a work party, made their way 15 kilometres north with no food, They swam across the neck with their clothes tied in a bundle held above their heads. However, across the way, they all managed to lose their clothes, climbed out of the water butt-ass naked, and went on a 20-month bushranging campaign. They were known as Cash & Co. They did that this campaign wasn't completely <laughs> done nude though, I mean right? I imagine it would be they but I doubt it was eventually, I'm pretty sure right? they did <laughs> still kind of funny though to think it'd like two buck ass naked dudes three. running three buck ass naked dudes running around robbing people <laughs> and, you know one of them's like you know what with all the money that we've been stealing we could we buy, can buy clothes. clothes how dare you yeah. sir 
I'm going to steal them. <laughs> and ruin our reputations, <laughs> I think, not so. But the ants are in my butthole. <laughs> I made a laugh. I got a little laugh out of her there, folks. She doesn't usually laugh at that sort of humour, so I feel uh, victorious today. In August 18- Not going to comment on that. In no. August 1843, <laughs> Cash learned that Bessie, his partner from the second escape, was with another man in Hobart and swore to kill them both. They took off to Hobart. Cash was spotted and ended up in a gunfight. Cash shot a cop who died two days later, was trialed and sentenced to hang, but ended up serving out life on Norfolk Island. He is actually one of the few bush rangers to die of old age. Hmm. Well, there you go. In 1877. He really didn't like it when his wife slept around, but no, he, he his wife obviously kept sleeping around. So No, Bessie was a guy. Oh, okay. So he's male partner, but I don't actually know what partner means in this context. Mm. Considering how pissed off he is, though, I'm pretty sure I can guess. He's a bad judge of character when it comes to his romantic liaisons. This is the one I think that you'll laugh at, Matthew. George Billy Hunt disguised himself as a kangaroo using a kangaroo's hide and made his way to the neck. Half-staffed guards, thinking to substitute their short rations, tried to shoot him. (laughs) Worried they were going to kill him, he threw off the hide and surrendered. He ended up with 150 lashes out of it, but I think that's better than being shot for food. All right, so let's deconstruct (laughs) this a little bit. Number one, I love it. I do. Like, this is great. This is, this is Bugs Bunny level shit. Stupid history. Yeah, this is, this is Bugs Bunny level stuff. This is Looney Tunes. Second thing is, though, his disguise was accurate enough that they the thought two was guards food. were like, oh, fuck, we can eat this thing. <laughs> so either they were really, really, really hungry or he was doing a good job. He was doing a good job. So I'm impressed. Uh, Billy Hunt, uh, you're a man after my own heart. There are a couple of things about the separate prison that I want to go into before I go into what I've written next. So the separate prison, the first stone for it was laid in 1848. Now, I don't know how much you know about this, but the separate prison was kept in absolute silence. The, ki- the prisoners had hoods over their head. The guards wore slippers and used sign language to communicate. The walls were a metre thick. It was pure sensory deprivation. And Yeah, that never ends well. No. It never ends well. Because, like, people, people, if anyone's curious, especially if you're living in the Canberra area, though most metropolitan cities around the world have these things, um, just have a look out, see if you can find yourself a sensory deprivation chamber. They, you can usually pay for them. I, I think it's like 50, 60 bucks for an hour and you will float. You're basically sus- laying in a bar- dark bathtub listening to your heartbeat in your ears. Yeah, there, there's nothing else there. And a lot of people talk about how their minds start to wander. They start to hallucinate because they just don't have anything else. We see this a lot in American prisons. Um, we see this in Australian prisons as well. Like the Australian prison system isn't great either. Um, but you see these... Uh, these solitary confinement cells like they still do it to this day where they lock people in these tiny rooms they can't move very much it's very very dark they can't really interact with anyone or anything uh we still do this to this day but it's a yeah but that's solitary confinement and it's for a set amount of time yep They've had He's- a. There was a, a young man. There's a documentary about him. He was uh, unfairly arrested in America. And I think the dog is on Netflix if people want to check it out. Uh, but he went into solitary confinement because they just didn't have anywhere else to put him. He came out of prison and then a, a couple of weeks later he killed himself. Yeah. It's and so this is that's what we do to people today. 
So these guys are being even more extreme. Well, about this it. this was the very beginning of using psychological techniques to control prisoners. Yep, I bet so, you it didn't work. I bet you made them worse. About a third to half of the prisoners went batshit insane, Same. and they had yep. to build an asylum on the grounds to put them in. Yep. Um, now. The reason I put that in is because I actually have an account of someone who took to another prisoner with a pickaxe in order to get the death penalty to die so he could escape. Matthew, would you like to read it? (laughs) You've been... I don't know if you know this, listeners, but Holly has been actively trying to remove quotes so I can't do the very thing that I have been trained to do as a thespian. You are not a thespian! (laughs) I was trained by the Tumut High School of Drama. For four years. Well, in that case, I was trained by the Ed's High School of Drama for three years. Go fuck yourself, Matthew. <laughs> well, then Matthew. I have an extra year on you, and that's why I can do funny mine's voices. Mine's worth more because mine's a city education. <laughs> no, it's not. We've discussed that. <laughs> didn't even teach us how to do a resume. We did a resume. We didn't do a tax return. That's moving right. on. That's right. Okay, so... <clears throat> so, who's, uh, whose quote does this come from? This, this comes, comes from a newspaper that... Title was Supreme Court, Criminal Side, Friday, January 8, 1836. Oh, I get to do my newsreader voice. Yes, so Matthew gets to do his <laughs> newsreader voice. This was a man called John Chidey. Uh, this was his statement in court. About 11 o'clock, I saw some loose earth fall into the trench, and on looking up, I saw the prisoner strike Suttleworth on the head with a pickaxe. I saw a second blow struck. It was violently struck. He lifted the pickaxe over his head. When the second blow was struck, I jumped out of the trench, but before I got to him, he had given the third, and by the time I had seized him by the shoulder, he had his pickaxe raised to strike the fourth, the prisoner said, when I seized him, I am satisfied, threw down the pick. So there you go. Literally all he wanted was to be put to death so he could get out of the separate prison. Yep. So that goes to show you just how horrifying it would be to be locked up. Yep, that being literally said, drove them nuts. That being said, if you're a mum uh, of small children or a new mother- You probably I, consider the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I could imagine that solitary confinement would be looking pretty fucking good at the moment. So Especially when the kids know. are like between two and four, when they're old yep. enough to talk but not quite old enough to get rid of the school. Yeah, so, so we feel for you, mum. Yeah, we understand. We understand. <laughs> not a- not, we're, we're a childless couple, so, yes. you know, life is I great I understand from having siblings <laughs> <laughs> and working in retail. That's you know. enough. <laughs> Uh, in 1841, the population of the separate prison was 1,500 people. By 1844, the population was over 3,500 people. It took more than two and a half tons of flour to feed the population every day. That is a lot of food. Um, and that's just like base meals. That's bread and water. That's not even including the food they used as rewards. The tobacco, the sugar, the... What was the other one? Tea that they used as reward systems. This is just bread and water. They could not feed their convicts, so they actually started importing everything from mainland Tasmania and from mainland Australia to try and feed all these people. And that's why, again, like colonies needed to be self-sufficient eventually. Yeah. And that's why they had to be. It, it was a necessity. They were like, well, we have to farm the areas. We have to harvest the timber. We actually have to do something here. Yeah. In 1845, a local mill was completed using water power and a treadmill that took 56 convicts to operate. However, the scheme to get the water to the mill was so complicated that it, full of leaks, it was just horrible and it failed. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That kind of that kind of sucks, though, because I kind of like the idea of, like, you know... It's it's uh, on behalf of this prison. They're like, let's make these guys fitter and faster. We'll have them run on a treadmill all day. That's what you want from your prison population. <laughs> you want, you want them to, to be able to stronger, you. you know. But at least you give some, give them something to do. Uh, that mill was eventually pulled down. Uh, well, it wasn't pulled down. It was repurposed, repurposed into another part of the prison called the penitentiary. And a large collection of workshops, including a sawmill, a blacksmith's forge, and a carpentry workshop was built nearby. This penitentiary is actually one of the more enduring buildings left on the site. So if you go visit it now today, you can actually still see it. Can't say the same for most of the rest of the buildings, however. In 1853, transportation to Australia ceased. Um, However, as Port Arthur was classified as a secondary punishment prison, they still received a huge proportion of colonial sentenced men, and there was still a whole lot of old transportees in the system serving life sentences that ended up there. Now, out of curiosity, I I don't know if you know the answer to this being our resident historian, why did Britain eventually stop sending prisoners to Australia? I don't know the answer definitively. I have the feeling it has something along the lines of Australia was becoming stronger on its own. They were running out of people in England and they were running out of boats because from memory, every time a boat came here, it was only two or three trips and then it got repurposed for something else. Yeah. Um, which meant that they didn't have anything to come. And because we were building ships here, we didn't have to wait for them to come from there. So, so- there was no real... So, quite possibly, it could have been the elimination of their lower class and lower middle class. That, because well, yeah, it was- you, you go over to England now, you're not going to see anywhere near the same kind of number of people living on the streets or living in slums. I doubt there's a correlation between what happened in the 1800s, Holly, and now. Well, what I'm saying- <laughs> <laughs> They got rid of them all in Australia and then they never had a homeless well, no, because, person again. Well, no, because Jack the Ripper hit in 1888, 87, yep. and he was still picking on prostitutes and lay people. Yeah. So it wasn't 100% eliminated the lower class, no, but, but eliminated I- enough that there was still jobs. Yeah, that, well, what, what, what I'm- jobs that we could 
put what, them towards. What I'm saying is uh, uh, in the 1800s, like the British really went down on crime. So, you know, for example, if you stole a half-eaten loaf of bread out of someone's bin- I know what bin, it was. I know what it was. You would be arrested. The yep. reason was is because all the people in Australia wrote their relatives and said, it's fucking awesome. Here, steal a <laughs> bit of bread and come over. And then by the time that everyone mm. had done that, the crime stats went down. They didn't have to worry but about yeah, it anymore. Because uh, <laughs> their crime was punished uh, so harshly, they essentially removed- They call it harsh. They were put on a fucking working holiday for seven years and then right. they got a bit of land. We've, we've discussed this before, Holly. Half the people died on their way here. Yeah, Remember but if you survived, it was fine. <laughs> You know, what What I'm saying is if you remove your, your lower and your middle class through it harsh means the criminal, upper class has to work. Like, fuck pretty that. Pretty much. Exactly right. <laughs> and they probably would have found that their workforce was diminishing because most people have committed petty crime. And if you think that you've never committed petty crime, have you ever got a speeding ticket? <laughs> I have. As a kid, did you I ever walk the through the fruit shop and your mum hand you a grape or a bean to chew on to keep you quiet when you were walking through? Because that's technically theft. It is technically theft. So, in that case, um, that that's why I figure Britain stopped doing it because they're like, shit, we're, we're going to be running out of workers if we keep fucking them off. <laughs> that's very likely. Um, pretty much the same thing happened in Port Arthur. The population got so old they couldn't work anymore. Um, there weren't enough criminals coming in to replace them and eventually Port Arthur itself had to close down. Simply because there wasn't the population. The last one person there was shipped out in 1877. And he went to a different penal station. I think he was on the mainland that time. Hmm. So, yeah, that's that's the history of colonials. Would you like to hear some ghost stories? Yeah. So, talking about Port Arthur uh, as a uh, essentially a, a, a large ghost inhabiting area. Well, it's, it's what... Negative you know, psychic resonance or something like you, that? You know what's interesting about us talking about ghosts today? What? You know what came out today? Something called Ghost? A teaser trailer for Ghostbusters 3. Oh, God. No, see, the film is going to be directed by Jason Reitman. Jason Reitman is a very good director and he's the son of Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman was the director of Ghostbusters 1 and 2 and apparently they're going to bring back all the uh, living cast members of Ghostbusters 1 and I 2. I repeat what I said. Oh God. Well, see, not to go into the Ghostbusters debate because that's a whole can of worms, but I can't really imagine, like, will it be Ghostbusters 3, like, the seniors' home? Because Bill Murray <laughs> has to be in his 80s, surely. Well, I think they all are. They're very, like, they're, they're all, the only one that actually looks good is Bernie Hudson. Like, he's, he doesn't look like he's- He's never aged. He hasn't. Bill Murray's face looked like it's melting off. Oh, and Sigourney Weaver, like, she always, I, I, I still yeah, think she's- Yeah, but she's not a- Buster. She yeah. Was, yeah. But anyway, off topic. A- anyway, anyway, ghosts. The Ghostbusters are coming back and uh, we're going to talk about ghosts. So I thought that was an interesting coincidence. We have a couple of first person accounts of people who were visiting Port Arthur. Um, they were both, one was a man and one was a woman. So I'm going to read the woman and Matthew can read the man. So um. the first one is by Katie878. Um, she said, so Katie878, uh, her account said, just out of curiosity, yes. um, why do they have monikers like Katie878? It's because they signed the guest book? No, uh, it's because no? I actually went onto a forum called Your Ghost Stories and oh, cool. they posted their own stories about different areas. This is cool, where yeah. I get all my The ghost internet is from. really, really credible. Yeah. Um, so, we were walking into the community residence when my mum felt that something was watching her. She turned to see Hello, who- Hello, I'm Freddie the Watcher. Hello. Shut the fuck up so I can talk. <laughs> She t- Actually, you're quoting to be to be accurate. Doesn't matter. Let me get set the scene and tell the story. We talked about this yesterday. 
<laughs> this gives the listeners an insight into our, our process. <laughs> My process is I'm gonna make it. All right, him. all right. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna create any little characters until you finished it. So Katie eight seven eight, let's do it. We were walking into the community residence when my mum felt that something was watching her. She turned to see who or what it was, but there was nobody in the room except my mum and me, and I swore I wasn't watching her. She was also really cold. Even if she was standing next to the fire, it was still really cold. I told mum that I wanted to walk around by myself, and she agreed. I started to walk down the hallway and looked at the rooms. One room in particular stands out to me, so when I finished walking down to the end of the hallway, I walked back up to see the room. The room had a piano and a rocking chair in it, and all these pictures around the room of people standing around the chair and a figure in the chair. Then, right before my eyes, the chair started to rock. I thought it was a prank, but when I saw there was no string and no breeze, I was terrified. I ran out of the room and stayed behind mum for the rest of the time I was there. That's it. That's the end of that one. Oh, okay. Ooh, haunted oh, rocking fuck chair. Yourself, Matthew. It's just no, no. It's not. It's not a, a slight against you. It's just the. I find it interesting when people get spooked by that. It's like for me, it's like, oh yeah, that rocking chair is moving on its own. But I'm gonna have to be up in like five hours. So I'm going the funk back to sleep. Because if this is the most impressive thing you can do, ghost, then I do not care for you, ghost. And then a glass flies across the room and hits me in the head. Then I'd be pissed <laughs> because I'd be trying to get to sleep. I'd be like you, man, malevolent spectre. Malevolent, right. Spectre? Malevolent, yeah. Malevolent. All right, you want to read A.J. Birch's okay. account? So this comes from a guy called A.J. Birch. Uh, I was waiting for the sightseeing tour to begin at Port Arthur, Port Arthur at the back of the main building. It was headed towards 4.30 in the afternoon, which is when the tour starts. Very thank you, Mr. Birch, for letting us know. You were on the scene again. Just chucking talk. <laughs> I was sitting on the first bench near the tourist clock for the start of the tour. I saw a man, six foot tall, in old-fashioned overalls, walk from the back of the main building and pass me before the seat, down on the stairs, and then disappeared. I noticed as he was walking past, he looked at me. He had long hair at shoulder height and an old pair of overalls, one strap hanging down, some type of old-style shirt on, and I'm quite sure he had no shoes. I thought he was a staff member dressed up for a show, thinking it was going to be part of the tour. Now this is the weird thing. No staff dress up for shows. Had I seen a ghost of a convict? I later found this to be a usual occurrence, as others had seen what they thought was staff dressed up for a show, but it had actually turned out to be convict ghosts. And there you go. Someone saw a convict. Or a Tasmanian. Yeah, no well. shoes. <laughs> Wearing old clothing, overalls. <laughs> <laughs> it's either it's either. We sorry, love you, Tassie Tasmanians. Fans. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tassie fans, but you know, you're you the know. bumpkins. You know that. You know what, what goes on down there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's um, that's interesting. But I'm pretty sure he just saw a Tasmanian guy who always wanders around that tour. Well, yeah. If other people have seen him, maybe. Yeah. So. This one's a story that was related on one of the ghost tours that someone actually wrote down for me. Okay, so this was said uh, from- During one of the ghost tours. Okay, so a tour guide said this. All right. And and this is the story of the parson's wife? Yes. Okay, so this is the parson's wife story. Do you want me to read this one? Well, you've already started, so you might as well. Okay. The parson's wife was barren and wanted very much to have children. 
In 2011, one of the visitors to the parsonage was a lady with her two-year-old daughter. The mother was surprised to see her child run forward and laughingly hold up both arms to an unseen being on the porch. So there you go. Is the parson's wife haunting the place trying to steal children? Oh, that was it? That's it, yeah. What? I'm you think tell, they're long ones? You know what? I'm going to tell one of my stories. I'm going to tell one of my stories. Because uh, these you are not scaring before, me. Arthur. These aren't scaring they're not me. Meant to. No, no, but my friend has. A, okay. a friend of mine right. has. What's your he has actually story? been to Port Arthur. It's not your story, it's your friend's story. All it's right. my friend's story, but I'll tell this story. So he went to Port Arthur, they they loved it, they did the ghost tours, all that sort of stuff. Then they went to one of the, these hotels. So as they're approaching the desk of the hotel, they're having a look at the sign-in book. Now this doesn't happen a lot. There's a lot of electronic sign-ins now. People generally don't fill out a book anymore. But this particular hotel, when they went to say it, still had a sign-in book. And they started reading the comments. Because it's always fun to read the comments, you know, sometimes. Yeah, someone leaves a smart-ass yeah, yeah, mark here it, and there. Exactly. Hey, my name is Darren Bobbity-Doo, and I had the best sex of my life tonight. Like, yeah. you know, things like that. So, they're reading the guest book, and they see these comments. Loved the stay. Fantastic room. Can't complain. Except for the visitors. Then the next one. Great bed. So soft. Could have done without the other people. And it just goes on and on. All these people describing some sort of force, some sort of malevolent force well, in the room with them. Pub, yeah. Right. <laughs> so they were going through with all this stuff. But but my friends, they're, they're were sort of they're spiritual in their own way. So it doesn't doesn't really worry them. If they ever see a ghost, which they've they've said they've seen ghosts in the past, they just say, Okay, I acknowledge you, but it's time for you to go. They don't it doesn't usually worry them. However, this particular room they would have very uneasy sleep. So they would sleep for two hours and then Penny would wake up and feel something like pulling at her hair. Not violently, just sort of, just kind you know, of yank, mo- yeah, yank, yank. yeah, just sort of yanking. Uh, and then they would fall asleep again and then they would wake up and they would see half specters floating around and then they'd fall asleep again and then they'd wake up and things were moving around. And at the end of the night, they ended the guest book. Uh, they, they wrote in the guest book as well. Fantastic room. Shame about the ghost. <laughs> could have done without the visitors, just like everyone else had. Yeah, well, to me, that seems more like someone came up with it to begin with and everyone else has just copied it. And you're the pre- power you're- of suggestion. Yeah. And you're not wrong in suggesting that because that's what happens with a lot of things. If I walk, if I take you into a room and I go, something horrible happened here. This room where, you know, the, a mother murdered her child. And you'd they feel did the temperature drop. Like- you, you do, because that's what people do. It's, it's the power of suggestion. I don't mean to debunk everything like this, but a lot of the time with a little bit of logic, you if can actually If I see a ghost appear right in front of me, like, no problem. I'll believe in it. But until then, I'm going to debunk them as much as I fucking want. You know, especially, <laughs> like, you, you find yourself... Uh, I've been on haunted tours. I've been to some of the most haunted places in Australia. I'm highly suggestible, so I have not. <laughs> you know, and, uh, yeah, you know, I've never felt anything weird, but I've always had that sort of mindset. You know, um, I have more of a freak out when it comes to mirrors in the dark, but that's a different thing. <laughs> now, another commonly seen spectre at the Port Arthur grounds is the Lady in Blue. And she's described as a young lady who died during childbirth, which would have been a regular occurrence. Yeah, it would have been in the prison system, yeah. Uh, legend has it that she wanders the grounds of Port Arthur searching for her child. People have allegedly seen her appear and reach out to people in the church's bell tower before vanishing. See, that's cool. See, that's See, cool. See, you should have that's waited cool. one more paragraph, I man. I should have. 
Reverend George Eastman was a parson at Port Arthur for almost 15 years. What's a parson? Is that like a priest? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. A pastor, you mean? No, parson. It's, it's what it's called as a parson. It's not quite a priest because you can but cater to every- But a pastor is a priest yeah. as well. Not Headed- pastor as in spaghetti, but a pastor. Yes. Not a pastor. O-R, not A. <laughs> We're not talking spaghetti monster here. We're <laughs> talking- But, yeah, he was- he was there for almost 15 years before he went to the aid of a dying convict in bad weather. Upon returning, he became ill and died in bed two days later. The Reverend is the most common and also the most aggressive ghost seen at Port Harper. So he actually apparently flies at people and tries to attack them. Because he was sure trying to help somebody and that bastard got him killed. Are they sure that he's, he's trying to help people or that he's trying to molest the kids as they're next to him? I don't like the Catholic Church. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> yeah. Just a few weeks after Reverend Eastman died, Reverend Hayward, his wife, and six children moved into the Reverend's house. The family was subjected to moving chairs and footsteps, and by 1870, everyone thought the house was haunted except for Mrs. Hayward. Determined to expel such myths, she made a trap one night after the children went to bed. She tied strings across the staircase from top to bottom and waited several hours, hearing nothing. As soon as she went to bed, Mrs. Hayward heard movement downstairs. She woke her husband and they checked the staircase, where every piece of string had snapped bar one at the top. The Hayward saw nothing, but allegedly felt a breath of hot air before hearing footsteps descend the staircase. And then when they turned around, of course, there was this dude in overalls again. Shortly after, the Haywoods left the house and Port Arthur forever. (laughs) That says to me that they actually had a stalker. Well, they were looking right at it. They felt the hot air and then they heard footsteps and there was no one there. I honestly think them getting out of that house was probably the best thing they could be doing. Yeah, no matter what it was. Regardless of what was stalking them, that was probably the best idea. Two builders and apprentice were restoring that same house and decided to stay in it overnight. One night, the apprentice was found wide awake, flailing, having trouble breathing. It took the two men to pick him up as he was pinned to the bed. Once he recovered, he explained he felt a very heavy weight on his chest, and upon opening his eyes, he saw a man with a beard telling him to leave his house and never return. I know how to explain this one. You say stalker again, I'm going to hit you because you keep interrupting my ghost stories. Heart attack, and he saw Jesus. Long beard. Saying, you're in my house, fuck off. No, he didn't say that. Yeah, that's what I thought. Sounds like a heart attack, though. Trouble breathing. sleep paralysis. Yeah, sleep paralysis is another good one. Okay, I got this one. I got this one. And then I'll take the last one. On the 20th of April, 1876, William Carter- 67. Read the numbers. 1867, William Carter committed suicide in the separate prison. He hanged himself with the straps of his hammock in his cell. It took him five minutes to die, conscious most of the time, according to the autopsy. He didn't make a sound, and over the years, several visitors have experienced a feeling of depression and anxiety when entering his cell. Some people have said that that's how desperate he wanted to leave, to die, that he was dying. He didn't even choke or make a sound. He just held Quietly it in. Quietly died. Yeah. That's That that's tells you true. desperation. Yeah, that is true desperation right there. A visitor who collapsed on site was treated in hospital for severe shock. She later relayed that while on the ghost tour, she saw, 
she saw a figure staggering towards her along the corridor. It was only about a metre away from the tour guide when the figure stepped into the light, looking, according to her report, half dead with bruises and blood all over him. Other stories include a young boy awaiting execution inside the prison, whose chilling screams can be sometimes heard at night. There's also reports of children running up and down the stairs, playing and laughing. And on balmy still summer nights, you can hear them playing hopscotch and singing, skipping songs. See, you can give me all those ghosts, not a problem. As soon as I hear those children laughing, I'm fucking gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking gone, man. So you I wouldn't cannot have liked, deal with laughing children. You, do, you wouldn't have liked uh, Nightmare on Elm Street either. No, one, no, two, I don't like the Freddy, Freddy song at all. No, you. Three, you don't have to keep singing it. We're going to have to pay copyright. Shut the fuck up. Come join us, Holly. Matthew. Holly. Anyway, that's it. That's all now, I got. Now that I know that that's your like your fear. You already I, knew gonna, that. Did I? Yeah. It's laughing children. Yeah. I've got to find some laughing children playing for you about yeah. one in the morning. Don't do that. <laughs> Holly. Holly. My Manny. Ah, ah. That sounds like a ghost. That doesn't sound like Ooh. laughing children. Anyway, moving on, Matthew. That's that's it for the first part yeah, of this, it, yeah. uh, this series. Uh, so we hope you've, uh, I don't know if we scared you. I don't think we did. <laughs> Not with Matthew's Not interjections. With me. <laughs> I can't help myself. I can't help myself. I just don't find ghosts scary. Uh, one thing you can do for us though, if you do find ghosts scary, let us know. Send us a, a message. <laughs> Your best ghost stories. Yeah, exactly. Send a message to our Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter. Our handle's at Modern Meltdown. Or you can send an email to the modern meltdown at gmail or you can find us on instagram because we'd love to hear your stories don't forget i do plan on doing a listener episode at some stage so if you would like to be on the podcast that's the easiest way to do it uh, another bit of housekeeping is we have uh, two competitions running at the moment uh first one is if you'd like uh, a little guest spot on the show to talk about whatever you want to talk out uh, to to do a shout out to wish someone happy birthday to propose marriage anything you want to do if you would like to uh, snap up that little five minute spot uh, jump onto uh, social media post a picture of you in your weird crap in Australia shirt which you can find at Public if you're in America and redbubble.com if you're here in Australia and you've got a competition as well Holly yes the other competition when we hit 20,000 listens I'm going to give away another shirt uh, we're halfway to 17,000 now, so you've probably got about a week and a half to... Uh, who, who won the first shirt? Dave Matthews. Well, there you go. Congratulations, Dave Matthews. Uh, I'm pretty that, sure he would have already got it by now. Y- but yeah. He's got the shirt? <laughs> Possibly. If you haven't got the shirt, Dave, please let us know. Uh, but thank you for participating in that competition, and thank you for being a fan, and I hope you enjoy the shirt. Do you get the Matt and Holly shirt, or do you get the logo shirt? I'm still waiting for a return on the message, so we'll see. Okay, cool, cool. But by the time this airs, he might have messaged me, and I might have already sent it, so who knows? Yeah, Dave, if you haven't messaged us your address back by now, buddy, now's the time to do it. Just jump onto that Facebook page but yeah if you want to uh want to win a free shirt which you can then use to uh, take a photo of and win a free spot on the podcast uh yeah head to our instagram and our facebook and let us know which episode is your favorite and we'll take a uh, no we'll announce the winner when i announce twenty thousand. uh now another quick thing as well uh shane ryan we mentioned shane ryan all the way back on our westall episode uh now he has uh found our post on uh, the Facebook page 
uh, hasn't said anything nasty. Uh, he's just it, linked to some Westall. Yeah, he, he's linked to his documentary, uh, which is the Westall 66, A Suburban UFO Mystery. I feel um, kind of verified now, like a subject of the uh, the yeah, show has yeah. actually reached out to us. So, so we talked about Sh- uh, Shane Ryan because a lot of his work built made up the the bulk of our episode, yeah. um, which we credit him to, and we didn't have the link. So uh, the links are there. You can go check out uh, his documentary at westall66ufo.com.au uh, and you can find his Facebook group. Uh, just type in, let me see how I can do this as, as easy as possible. Facebook.com slash. So facebook.com forward slash 1966 Westall Flying Saucer Incident. And you can uh, One word. you can check out both of those links there yep. if you want to continue your journey uh, after listening to the Westall episode. If you like Matthew and you love aliens, he's probably already had a dig around in all that yeah. stuff. And, and Shane Ryan, I there's always a level of um, I don't want to say silliness, but yeah. there, there's a over the top energy yeah. when it comes to these sort of documentaries. I have watched his documentary, and he still has that like they all do. Like it's just but part you've of got the to genre. do that to actually. But, sell the story. But to Shane Ryan's credit, I think he does better than most. And I think there's like he has a lot of credible first account witnesses as opposed to second, third. Like if they do Roswell documentaries all the time and it's the grandson and the granddaughter and they're like, Papi, My grandma told me this. Papa used to say that he was terrified of what was going to come from the sky. He used to, and he pooped his pants whenever there was yeah, fireworks yeah. in the sky. You know, all that sort of stuff. So uh, Shane Ryan actually interviews most people uh, who have first hand um, who were first-hand witnesses, which is um, really credible. So go I'm check out sure his I'm pretty sure I used a clip of his audio as well. So. Yeah. yeah, so definitely go check out uh, Shane's work and uh, definitely drop some dollars on him uh, to grab that document. I think it's it's quite inexpensive too, so definitely go check it out. Uh, otherwise, that's all the house cleaning done. Uh, we're going to be- Housekeeping. <laughs> house cleaning. Uh, we're going to be doing the next uh, two episodes are going to be on the Port Arthur Massacre. Yeah. Um, we think it's either going to be one or two. We actually think it's probably going to be two. Yeah, considering my notes for this episode is about half the length of the notes for the uh, massacre. So, so, yeah. So, just uh, just so you know, of course, um, this was a pretty happy episode. Violence warning. <laughs> Now, yeah, yeah, <laughs> next we're, week we're going to mention it as well. Uh, it's a horrible tragedy, it's one of the worst tragedies in Australia. So, we're going to have a chat. We about don't it. blame you if you decide not to listen, but we would still love you to share it for other people, yeah, yeah, because it's, it's going to be a very interesting episode. We're going to talk about uh, a couple of different aspects of the case that Holly got I, hold of the court document, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there are a couple of aspects of the case that I think are relevant to discuss today, so we're going to be talking about all of that next episode, otherwise. Everyone, uh, please stay safe and big thanks to Holly for all of her wonderful research and her yelling at me because I love it. See you guys. Watch out for the ghosts. (laughs) Yeah. Don't forget, uh, if you're out there busting some ghosts, let us know because we'd love to see it. Ghostbusters. This has been a production of The Modern Meltdown. For more podcasts just like it, head to themodernmeltdown.net.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.